The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Tuesday, April 19, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and Leaky Black, the last of whom is returning to North Carolina for a fifth season of college basketball. Praise be. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching live on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davis. You have consent. When it comes to the like button, you always have consent. More of us. All right, dead leg. The season ended two weeks ago, which means it only took two, it only took two weeks for the one-time transfer waiver combined with name, image, and likeness rights to get folks big mad on the internet. It, it appears the tipping point might have been, of all things, Tyrese Hunter. He was set to be the leading returning scorer for a Sweet 16 team at Iowa State, but on Monday, he uh, announced he's entering the transfer portal. And what followed was equal parts predictable and hilarious. Best I can tell, some Iowa State fans are now at least contemplating being completely done with college basketball because sure. one of their one of their players is transferring. Sure. Never mind the fact that Iowa State's Sweet 16 team was loaded with checks notes, transfers from the transfer portal. Still, some Iowa State fans now hate the transfer portal. So that's um amusing. Yeah. Uh meantime, Doug Gottlieb cussed at you on Twitter. What are we doing? <laughs> Everybody's fired up. <laughs> the only thing I was mad about on Monday. The IRS. Okay. What in the world was that? Everybody's mad about Tyrese Hunter. I'm texting my accountant like, man, are you serious with this? <laughs> this is really what I got to do today? I gotta write, what? I'm all right with the IRS this year. And they're, right. I'm cool with them. Yeah. I'm not. You want to get, you want to get into those details? I'm over the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> that, was out, that was outrageous. What happened to me yesterday. And so it never even occurred to me to be pissed off about Tyrese Hunter's basketball plans, but, uh, but folks were, um, mm. and, and Iowa state fan posed this question to me deadly. He said, if my school is just going to be a feeder system for blue bloods, why should I read your columns, listen to your podcast or watch you on TV? I said, I don't know. Uh, Deadleg, why should Iowa State fans listen to this podcast? Because it's the best damn basketball podcast, regardless right. of genre that's, right. that's, that's available, right. first of all. That's right. I mean, go ahead and rewind that. We're, we're, how, how deep are we in? Two and a half minutes? Go listen to that intro again. That's why you should listen to this podcast. This, by the way, uh, yeah, Iowa State fans are huge mad over this. Not even big mad, <laughs> huge mad. Um, so I, we can share thoughts on that, sure. And the irony of that it's Iowa State. Of all schools. Like, who has benefited over the years from transfers more than Iowa State? Very few schools. And it's not, and it's obviously before Otzenberg. Hoiberg basically set the template, you know, a decade ago. But 
whatever. Um, this as I I tweeted about. I didn't get to. I listen. I hopped. I was with my my kids are on spring break, so I'm, we're playing Jenga. We're doing stuff, and I just hop on the tweet machine for a quick minute yesterday afternoon. I, I didn't even see Tyrese Hunter transferred or got in the portal when he did. I saw Yuri Collins, St. Louis, shouts. He was on my midseason college basketball all-star team. Yuri, he's in the transfer portal as well. And so, you know, just make a quick tweet about that. And then, uh, and then I, you know, there's just an uh, mad Iowa State fan who has since been muted. I, 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 I come on, I can't have this. Like, I'm, I, if you're going on, by the way, just a, a heads up. If, if you're the kind of Twitter user that's going to, you know, keep tweeting like you're and you're just tweeting through it and get you're going on mute I, you're, you're just talking into the void so anyway but i did quote tweet this person and essentially said like there's nothing wrong with tyrese hunter doing what he's doing and then doug gottlieb went off on all of this <laughs> which was hilarious dougie dinosaur is stuck in uh is stuck in a different generation here and i get it he's never going to come off this he's just not i i saw gottlieb at the final four we had a nice uh conversation outside the pumps party uh, and he's got a different approach on this than a lot of other people, but I do think some fans are on his side. Um, but the fact that this, and we can get into the particulars, obviously, of the bigger picture here, the fact that it's Tyrese Hunter of all players, how hilarious is it? Like, it is, I'm sorry, if you're not an Iowa State fan, this is objectively hilarious, that this is the this is the player that's go, that's going to help us recalibrate our moral compass for how we look at the transfer portal? No. Sorry. And... I'll toss it back to you. Take it where you want, and we'll kind of go from here. I talked with TJ Otzelberger about Tyrese Hunter back in, like, December. He had to re-recruit him a year ago. Tyrese Hunter could have easily been like, thanks, no thanks. New coach, I'm going to go try and do my own thing in a different spot. And no, and, and Iowa State fans would have been upset, but they certainly would have understood. And so now, because he plays for a year for your program and is going to go potentially leave the place somewhere else it's this huge deal also Iowa State fans are some of them are of the belief that like he's been bought by North Carolina I did some digging around on that that's like entirely false I don't even think North Carolina has a scholarship available and even if Caleb Love were to not return I I'm gonna say Tyrese Hunter isn't gonna play at North Carolina I could old takes expose myself you never know but anyway that's another thing Iowa State fans apparently have this huge deal over this idea that He's been bought for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, and he's going to go play at UNC. My understanding is that's absolutely not the case. First, before we get back to laughing, let me state the obvious. Um, I hate this for Iowa State. I, 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 I hate this for TJ Osselberger. Like, I love TJ Osselberger. I love Fred Hoiberg. I love Carol Hoiberg. I love the whole Hoiberg family. Iowa State's one of my favorites. So you get a borderline top 50 guy coming out of high school. He turns in very quickly to a – a, a really nice college basketball player helps you get to a sweet 16 and then he's got an opportunity to be the leading returning score on a sweet 16 team. And he says, no, I'm bouncing. Like that's not ideal. Um, but I don't think it's wrong. I think it's unfortunate for Iowa state, but you'll never trick me into thinking that it's wrong. Um, I, I saw a lot of this yesterday. I think even Doug touched on this. People talk about what's good for college basketball and what's bad for college basketball. And I think you can have a reasonable debate about whether players just bouncing all over the country is good or bad for college basketball. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were arguing, it's bad. It's happened for years. Yeah, but we it's can acknowledge now. it's more now. But yeah. like, yeah, like, listen, uh, you know what side of the things I'm on here. But I know, like, I know. we we can, we we can acknowledge that it's it's more prevalent than ever. And the reason is because now you don't need a waiver to sit out a year if you're a first time transfer. You're automatically eligible. And and when you combine that with name, image, and likeness opportunities that coaches are using to lure players into the portal, um, it, it creates uh, something unlike we've ever seen, um, or at least we've never seen it to this level. So if you want to argue that it's bad for college basketball, um, argue that, you know, once upon a time, you could watch players grow up together and they would come in as freshmen and, and then they would grow. And by the time they were juniors, we had all watched them play for three straight years together and they became a solid basketball team. Like if you miss that and you love that, then you can reasonably argue this is not great for college basketball. Now, if you want to argue it's great for college basketball, you'd say that it doesn't matter how bad you were last season. If you've got a coach um, who knows how to operate uh, in the portal and knows how to operate in the NIL space, you can rebuild a team overnight. I mean, it's literally what Iowa State did last offseason with the transfer portal. Like in a different time, I hope Iowa State fans understand this. In a different time, I don't care whether you hire T.J. Otzelberger or John Wooden or even people better than John Wooden like Mick Cronin, you can't take over a two-win program and rebuild it overnight. Like, you're you're at best a 12-win program the next season. But because of the one-time transfer waiver, that just cost you Tyrese Hunter, but last season gave you a team that was good enough to go to the Sweet 16. All of this stuff is 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 given every program in America at the power conference level, at the very least, an opportunity to rebuild overnight. That's great. Um, another thing that would make this great is college basketball is more interesting into the offseason now because you've got developments seemingly every day. So okay. if you're trying to if you're trying to argue that's good for college, then that's where you start that argument. Here's my point. I've never thought too much about what's good or bad for college basketball. Not that it doesn't matter to me, because of course I want what's good for college basketball on some level, but something that is more important to me is what's right or wrong. I don't think of about what's good or bad. I think of it from the perspective of what's right and what's wrong, what's fair and what's unfair. And you will never convince me no matter how hard you try or how much you cuss or how angry you get, that it is right for amateur student athletes to be restricted in any sort of way when it comes to changing schools and playing sports at those schools. It has never been a reality for most student athletes. I think sometimes people don't understand that. This is not a soccer thing. This is not a track thing. If you play soccer at Wisconsin and you decide you want to play with soccer at Marquette the next season, you can do that. And you've always been able to do that. This has been limited to a very small number of sports in men's and women's uh, sides. And finally, in this forever push for player empowerment, um, we got to a place where the people who had the power to change this finally acknowledged it is not fair 
it is not right to hold basketball players um, to standards that we don't hold soccer players to. Like it never made any sense to any sensible person that you could have a golfer and a football player live in the same dorm, go to the same classes at the same school. And if one of them wanted to transfer, that person could play immediately. And if the other one wanted to transfer, that person would have to sit out. We shouldn't be holding student athletes to different standards. And so now here we are. And are there unintended consequences to that rule change? Yeah, sure. Um, But for me, everything starts and stops with what is right. What is right by the student athlete and allowing them to transfer without penalty was always the right thing. And when you combine it with name, image, and likeness coming in at the exact same time, mm-hmm. it is a shot to the system. There's no getting around it, yes. but it's a better system. I'll just put it this way, and then you can take it. Um, the system we have now is imperfect, but it's better. And more than that, it's more fair. It's more right. And I'm when it comes to this kind of stuff, I'm always going to land on the side of what's right. It also comes with still plenty of risk. That's the point I made on Monday. Tyrese Hunter isn't guaranteed to be any better next season wherever he plays than where he was at Iowa State. I mean, yeah, he is an elite. Like he, To me, he's like a top 25 defender in the country, uh, if not better than that, and is going to make whatever team he goes to better on that end of the floor. He has more growing to do offensively. I think he will eventually be drafted into the NBA. He's not quite there yet overall, but I think he will be drafted and, and make the NBA eventually there. So if you're an Iowa State fan, I get it. You had an unexpectedly good season. He was your best player, and now he's deciding to go somewhere else, and you're trapped over the idea that he's going to go into the portal because maybe name, image, and likeness is going to lure him away from Iowa State. Well, I'm sorry. That's just the breaks. It just is. We should not be restricting, particularly in this environment, where players can go. How about this? Completely completely unrelated situation. But I'm going to do a story on this, I think, for Wednesday or Tuesday, a quick one for, for CBS. Do you realize that there are still a couple of conferences? I didn't realize this until I was uh, alerted to a player at. You ready for this? Hmm. Campbell. The fighting camel. A fighting camel. A fighting camel. A fighting camel that no longer seeks to be a fighting camel. Hmm. Yeah, he's he's been he's had a good run, but he's out. So Messiah Thompson is his name. Plays at Campbell. That's in the Big South. The Big South still doesn't let you transfer in league and play for immediate eligibility. You still have to sit a year. And when I learned this, I thought, there's no way this is true. And yet it is. You still like. Eight years ago, this was the stuff that we were podcasting about, writing columns about, you know, Bo Ryan was getting in hot water over it, like this kind of stuff where, you know, you can't leave inside your own league and have eligibility, let alone play a year. So there are still, for as much progress as we are making in terms of player empowerment, there are still some leagues. I mean, the idea that the Big South is saying you can't transfer in league and and have immediate eligibility to me is insane, especially... With a fighting camel, how dare they? How dare they? How do you restrict? Uh, how do you how do you look yourself in the mirror after restricting a fighting camel? I I, I have no idea. I'm going to talk with the league. I I plan and hope to talk with the league commissioner about this exact topic later on Tuesday. Do you realize so. you're sir? Do you realize you're restricting a fighting camel? And have you ever seen a fighting camel backed into a corner? It's not pretty. Go to YouTube, sir. It's not. I I did about a month ago. Watch an entire camel fight. 
I, I know you did. I was just up late at night. I was you like, I know this is a regular thing with you. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I was just, I just caught myself. Like it's like one in the morning, can't sleep, just sitting up watching camels fight on YouTube. Yeah, it's, it's wild the way they fight. <laughs> I mean, I it's wild. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm glad we hit our yearly quota on camel fighting, by the way. I'm glad I could get that in, but I'll have that later in the week. Um, one other point I wanted to make is like, because uh, mm -hmm. you, you see all this stuff, and it's like, um, I was joking earlier about the Iowa State fan talking about it. If my school just going to be a feeder system for the Blue Bloods, why should I even watch? Um, well, your school's not just going to be a feeder system for the Blue That's Bloods. That's correct. Yeah, no no school is just going to be that. Um, you know, let's, let's go back to T.J. Alsenberger for a second. Before he was the coach... At Iowa State, he was a coach at UNLV. Before that, he was a jackrabbit. And um, they had Mike Dom. And Mike Dom, I believe, could have been a graduate transfer his final year of college. And um, I, I remember talking to TJ about it at the time, and he was like, listen, I've got a relationship with Mike. I think he's going to stay, and he ultimately did. But he's like, if Kansas comes and says, do you want to come be a Jayhawk? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, how could I – how could I – um, be upset that he might take that opportunity. And I don't know if TJ's perspective has changed over the years, uh, but at, at one point that was his perspective. And, and that makes the most sense to me. One of the, like for every Tyrese Hunter who decides I can now do something that I think, I think, not know, but think is bigger and better than Iowa State, there's going to be somebody who decides they want to stay right where they're at. And by the way, the idea that the Kentuckys and the Texases and the Dukes are just going to buy all the players, first off, buying all the players doesn't always lead to the best teams. I mean, Texas really did well in the transfer portal last season, last offseason. People thought Texas did the best. Right. And yeah. did, you, did you watch Texas this season? They were just like, they were good. Yeah. But just good. There's nothing special about it. They were just good. Um, so um, the idea that you're just going to be able to buy, you're not going to just be able to buy the championship teams. I mean, it, it will happen sometime, but like, it's not, it, it's not foolproof. Um, there are going to be players who decide they don't want to leave places like Iowa state, even if places like Kentucky and North Carolina and Duke want them. All right. So the idea that you can't possibly keep your players, that's just not true. It, it will be impossible for you to keep some people. But the idea that you won't be able to keep anybody you want to keep if the big boys come calling, that's just not that's not real life. Also, um, it is true that the Kentuckys and the Carolinas theoretically will have more money than anybody else. But like every power conference school has got rich boosters, like every power conference. school, There's not a power conference school that doesn't have multi-millionaire boosters who have tons of money to throw around. So if you if. I don't care what school you are, Iowa State, Iowa, Penn State, it doesn't matter. If you've got boosters who want to create name, image, and likeness opportunities that, that convince players you can make as much money here as you can make anywhere, that, that's available to you. I, I, like one of the things I, I think is interesting is, you know, is, is the way this stuff could theoretically work. Do you realize like if you are a women's soccer fan, diehard at Southern Miss, it, it, and also have like, you know, a hundred million dollars. You could just decide I'm going to try to create the best women's soccer program in the country and just make it known that I'm going to create name, image, and likeness uh, opportunities for the best 
uh, high school women's soccer prospects in the country, and suddenly you're Southern Miss with the best, one of the best women's soccer teams. Like, this is available to everybody. Yes. There's uncertainty surrounding this exact issue, and I haven't gotten to that, but there's a story that actually that Stuart Mandel uh, wrote for The Athletic that published on Tuesday about this whole idea of NIL offers and contracts for high school players coming into college. And there's like this, this is a whole separate deal altogether, GP, but to your point right now, as it stands, that's accurate. And the whole, the whole thing is like, is there any way to untangle that not going forward? It were, or will it be a reality? It will be interesting to see how the NCAA even attempts to address that part of this, which was always a major concern it had going forward. So I, I guess uh, what I'm trying to say is if you're worried that you'll never be able to keep a player again, that's just not true. You, you know, for every guy you lose, there's there going to be a guy you keep um, and, and, and maybe twice as many. So I, I think I understand how you might reach that conclusion. If you're a fan of a school that just lost your best player, you know, presumably to a bigger school somewhere, but the idea that it's going to be impossible for the Iowa States to keep guys. That's just not, that's not true. Um, you know, the Tyrese Hunter story got a lot of attention this week. There's another story that got less attention. And it, I just bring it up because it illustrates how this stuff can work. I don't want to say that there shouldn't be any loyalty in the sport or that there isn't. But I do think we've reached the point where you shouldn't expect it. You know, people are going to do what's best for them. Mm -hmm. And this cuts both ways. Tyrese Hunter decided it was best for him to leave Iowa State. Um, you know, we'll see if he's right. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but Tyler Harris announced that he's entering the transfer portal out of Memphis and also announced he didn't want to, that he was told by Penny Hardaway, it's time to move on. And this is a Memphis product who signed with Penny out of high school, who then left to go to <laughs> Iowa state and, yeah, then came, <laughs> and then came and then came back to Memphis. And this is a wild fact led the team in scoring more often than any other player this season. More often than Jalen Duran, more often than DeAndre Williams, Lester Quinones. And if you take Tyler Harris at his word, or his mother at her word, because she posted on Facebook about it, Tyler Harris was told, you don't have a place at Memphis anymore. Now, does that make Penny Hardaway a bad guy, like Tyrese Hunter's a bad guy? Or is that just like, everybody's doing what's best for them, or what they at least believe is best for them. And that's where we're at. And some people will make good decisions, and some people will make bad decisions. But it's up to everybody at this point to make whatever decision you want to make. And so this is going to cut both ways. And that's an example of it cutting both ways. And one of the things Gottlieb brought up with you. Um, We're going back to that, huh? Well, I do think it's an important note because a lot of people bring this up, or at least he brings this up a lot. You know, because the counter to it's BS that Tyrese Hunter is just bailing on Iowa State after one year. The counter to that is, well, like coaches bail on places all the time like again tj Osberger is at his third head coaching job once upon a time he had the south dakota state job and then unlv wanted to hire him and he said i'll do that and then iowa state wanted to hire him and he said well i'll do that you know i don't want to say every time tj's got a, a better opportunity he's left but like he's done it at least twice and um and so then doug will counter with yeah but coaches have buyouts you know coaches have buyouts so there is a restriction in there and you know they have to pay a price to get out of their contract. Whereas Tyrese Hunter doesn't have to do anything except announce that he's leaving. And I, I know that's a, an easy thing to point to, but it's, it's come on. Coaches have, 
the, the, the number of times coaches actually don't take a job that they want because of a quote buyout is, is very, very small. I'm not saying it never is an actual restriction, but it is rarely an actual restriction. And either way, the reason coaches have buyouts in their contracts is because they're allowed to negotiate the terms of their commitment to a school. If you want to create a system where student athletes can negotiate the terms of their commitment to a school, create that system. I, I'll vote for it. You know, create. I believe the common parlance on social media is, but you're not ready to have that conversation. Yeah. If you want to create a system where student athletes are allowed to negotiate the terms of their commitment to a school the way coaches are, I am happy to create that system. And everybody can negotiate the own terms. Some of some people say, I'll, I'll stay here for two years just for a scholarship and a cost of attendance stipend. And somebody else might say, I'll stay here for one year, but it's going to cost you $3 million. And somebody else might say, I'll stay here for four years, just pay for my... Let, if you want to create that system and let student athletes negotiate the terms of their commitment to a school, the way coaches are allowed to negotiate the terms of their commitment to create that system. I think it would be fabulous. As it is, student athletes are not allowed to do that. And unless and, and because they're not allowed to do that, I don't think you should be allowed to restrict them. And the powers that be... Um, finally, after all these years, agreed um, and created the system that we have now. And I'm not pretending that it's not chaotic. I'm not pretending that it doesn't make coaches' jobs more difficult. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you it's the right and fair thing to do. So I'm for it. I'm for it as well. Then there's the bigger picture of is you you said you know i'm worried more about right versus wrong not what's good versus what's not i'll i'll talk to that angle though is this good for college basketball uh i don't think it's that detrimental to be honest you know why because if you're listening to this podcast right now if you're watching this podcast live on youtube do smash the like button to the hard course thank you for joining us in the middle of april but you love the sport if you're if you find yourself that you listen to this podcast and you're angry over what Tyrese Hunter or any other player did, guess what? You're still listening to a college basketball podcast in the middle of April. You love the sport. You're not going anywhere. Our listenership increased this year. Our readership at CBS increased this year. Viewership across multiple television platforms for men's college basketball increased. The NCAA tournament's first weekend was up 12%. Not, not even getting into the fact that, yeah, Duke Carolina was a special standalone one thing, uh, and the Final Four ratings for TBS were astronomical. We are in this new transfer portal area. Granted, we are relatively early into it, but we have had a 1,000-plus players into this thing year over year over year for about three, four years now. And because it's the pandemic and you get these free years, oh, here's an aside, by the way. I've, there's been plenty of Dawson Garcia mentions in our live chat here. Um, because we're still in the pandemic, and this will probably be a topic for a future pod, the understanding among plenty of coaches right now is that there's going to be like blanket waivers given so that players that are transferring, you, as it stands right now, the rule is you transfer for a first time, you get to play right away, immediate eligibility, as we've long said, should be the case. Then if you want to transfer a second time, you got to sit. I think that's entirely fair. But because of the pandemic, I think a lot of players that are transferring for a second time are actually going to be given a waiver and so there will be actually a two time temporarily there will be a two time transfer rule just be prepared for that uh if and when that comes to pass across the board as for the popularity of the sport it's it's not the nfl it never will be it's not college football it won't be it's not even the nba which is uh in the midst of getting its playoffs going right now uh, but 
there is no indication that actual fan engagement had dipped for men's college basketball this season and not at all. And during the pandemic year, when they had the NCAA tournament in the bubble, you know, two or three of the, of the five or six biggest non-football broadcasts because football is its own entity were men's college basketball there. So you're going to still be there. The, the very nature of how college sports is run it, through it, people living in those communities, going to those schools, churning out, uh, nationally millions of graduates each year this this idea that the transfer portal is going to kill the interest in the sport is just it's just non-existent sorry doesn't matter there you're still going to be there you're still going to watch the tournament you're still going to root for those teams you can get as angry as you want over any player leaving the sport it might affect maybe one person out there's gonna be like i'm done watching the cyclones i'm out but as people have pointed out in the chat, and yes, I have heard buzz about this. Oh, by the way, you might get A.J. Green, who's one of the best mid major players in the country, leaving Northern Iowa to go play at Iowa State. We'll see if that happens. We'll see how angry you are over the transfer portal if and when that happens there. So it's not an ideal situation for men's college basketball. Obviously, if you can have roster continuity the way that it was in 1983, that'd be great. Sure. Okay. But that's not the reality of this. It's not the reality in college football either. This is going to be the way that it goes going forward. You will have plenty of players returning. You will have others that are going to new spots. And we'll see if we can make room for Sam before the podcast is over. But to the point you made earlier, GP, Sam Fasini tweeted, my opinion is that the transfer portal has people talking about college basketball longer into its offseason in the last two years than it ever was discussed previously. The roster building fund makes fans care about the sport for a longer period of time each year. It's a wonderful point by Sam, and he's right, because you know what? We're almost 30 minutes into this podcast. Good God, Paris, we're almost 30 minutes into this podcast. My fault. And we are talking about the transfer portal. He's right. He's absolutely right. This free agency, okay, an ersatz version of it, has actually caused more interest. Sure, that interest can come in many forms, from cynicism to anger to intrigue. To, to genuine optimism about programs. You can rebuild, you can tinker. There is a, there's actually a case to be made that interest in the sport is it, it's got a longer tail now into the off season there. So I do reject the premise that this is going to wither away interest in men's college basketball because you have some players leaving. You're always going to have players leaving. This isn't a new thing. And Oh, by the way, I don't know if all these players are going to come back. We'll get to Carolina in a second, but you got Hawkes back at UCLA. We'll see what Tiger Campbell, Johnny Juzang, Drew Timmy, Gonzaga, Oscar Sheeway, Kentucky. I think he'll return. Kofi Coburn in Illinois, I think will return. You'll have the two backcourt guys, Katie Johnson, Wendell Green at Auburn. Zach Eadie's going to be back at Purdue. UConn will have Andre Jackson and Adama Sanogo, who'll be one of the best bigs in the nation back next year. I think Trace Jackson Davis will return at Indiana. Matt Bradley at San Diego State, that's a tournament team. Jalen Williams, Devo Davidson at Arkansas, on and on and on. So you'll have plenty of examples of guys who are accomplished on NCAA tournament level teams that are going to return in addition to guys going into the portal. So I'm not nearly as the sky is falling on this as some in the media and some plenty of fans. I get all that, but I just have, I, I think a lot of this stuff balances out. And then once you get into, like if Iowa State is 11 and two next year, when we get to Christmas, the Iowa State fans are not going to care that Tyrese Hunter isn't on the team anymore. Like they get angry about it now in April. I just don't think that this stuff actually matters once the games actually arrive and the majority of people are actually paying attention to the sport once guys are in uniform again no the people who are like i'm done with this like even the guy who was all upset talking about why should i even listen to a podcast if my school is just going to be a feeder system like we said your school's not just going to be a feeder system but um like the, the guy had isu in his twitter handle like if you've created a twitter handle that says is like you ain't you're not just going to quit because of tyrese hunter right it it it, it, it sounds that's very similar to me like 
if so-and-so wins an election, I'm moving to Canada. No, you're not. You're not moving to Canada. Shut up. Okay. You're going to be mad on Facebook. That's what you're going to be. You're going to be, if somebody wins the election, you're going to be mad on Facebook and then you're going to wake up and go to work the next day. You're not moving to Canada. Nobody's moving to Canada. And, and nobody's quitting college basketball. That's Canada, though. We got significant listenership in Canada. Oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying we shouldn't. I move know, to but Canada. I just wanted to, you know what? I, I just wanted to. Uh... Like, do you like going to the doctor for a reasonable price? <laughs> like, I'm not saying you shouldn't move to Canada. I'm just saying you're not. I could make the argument you should. I'm just saying you're not. And you're also not quitting college basketball. The last thing I'll say, I promise this is the last thing I'm going to say is that, and I, I've said some version of this for years, that I wish people could view it, and by people, I also mean coaches. And some of them do, by the way. Some of them do. The idea that all coaches right. are... Um, some, some do, some don't. Some do, some don't. Oh, oh, wait, some don't. Some think this is yeah. the worst thing in the world. Yes. And the end of their profession making any sense. Um, like I said, I can acknowledge it makes their jobs more difficult. Um, but... Um, I, I wish that some fans and, and some coaches could view this just totally from the opposite perspective. This is what I mean. If you're the coach at Winthrop or Wofford or Wright State, just naming W schools at the mid-major level, um, let's say UNC Greensboro, East Tennessee State, um, you know, some of the Southern Conference schools. If you're the coach, the head coach there, let me just tell you, the likelihood that you ever dreamed of being the head coach there is very small. Like mm -hmm. nobody dreams. I say this as respect. You'll get the point. Nobody dreams of being the head coach at East Tennessee state, right? Nobody dreams of being the head coach at Wofford. Nobody dreams of being the head coach at UNC Greensboro. So how do you end up the head coach at those places? Um, it's because it's the best job you could get. It's probably the best job you could get. And you were like, wow, it's an opportunity to be a head coach at a good mid-major in a, in a great conference. And so you take that job. And then you do that job as well as you can do it, right? You work like crazy. And you love that school while you're there. And then maybe you're the East Tennessee State coach. And uh, then Wake Forest calls. And they say, hey, man, you did that job really well. We didn't want to hire you five years ago when you were just an assistant coach or a JUCO coach. But now that we've seen you do that job that well, now we think you could do our job. So we'd like that. We'd like to give you a lot more money and come work in the ACC. So you know what the East Tennessee State coach does? He leaves. And same situation. You know what the Wofford coach does when Virginia Tech calls? He leaves. And you know what the Greensboro coach does when Cincinnati calls? He leaves for more money and a bigger opportunity. They, they, they took those jobs because they were the best opportunities they could get at the time, and then they flourished in those jobs, and then they got bigger opportunities for more money. And they understandably decided to take those opportunities. And there's nobody on the planet who thinks that's a bad thing. We send them text messages and tell them congratulations. We celebrate. We go, man, really happy for Steve or Mike or whomever. And it's just sort of understood. That's that's an awesome thing. That's a progression in life that we celebrate in every other way. If your neighbor is a partner at a small law firm and then gets an opportunity to be a partner at a bigger law firm for five times as much money, we go, man, congratulations. Happy for you. 
And yet when it comes to players, some people can't hold that opinion. Like, just like no coach dreams of being the head coach at East Tennessee State, like might might think, man, that would be awesome. But that's not where the dream stops. No player grows up in Tennessee dreaming of playing at East Tennessee State. They dream of playing at Tennessee or Memphis or Vanderbilt. So why are all those players at East Tennessee State or Wofford or wherever at the mid-major level? Because it's probably the best opportunity they could get when they were coming out of high school or junior college or wherever. So they take that opportunity. And then they flourish in that opportunity in some cases. And then they get bigger opportunities. And maybe Tennessee picks up the phone and says, hey, we didn't, we saw you at a high school. We didn't think you was good enough to be at our level. But now that we see you at East Tennessee State, we think you are. Would you be interested in being a ball? And if that young man actually dreamed of playing in the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten and is suddenly given that opportunity, why is that a bad thing? Why do we think that's the worst thing that could ever happen to college basketball? Why don't we applaud the players for realizing opportunities and and fulfilling dreams the same way we applaud coaches for doing it. I, I, I've just never understood it. And by the way, this thing will cut both ways. You'll have guys that go to the tip top of the sport and, you know, can't cut it there and they'll transfer down. Mm-hmm. Just like you have coaches who go, um, you know, to the big East or the big 10 and then they can't cut it there. And you look up and, you know, now they're the coach at some mid-major school. Like, this all cuts both ways. Endorse the opportunity to flourish or fail. There's no guarantee of success here. Just the enterprise to be able to do it, to make your own decision. If you want to take a chance on yourself, do it. A lot of guys will not. This will not work out for a lot of guys. It will not. Wade Mason had a very funny. Wade Mason, who was an assistant at Stephen F. Austin and then at Georgia, had a very funny tweet earlier this morning. He said, young fellows who think the portal is beautiful like the water in Aruba. So you just jumping in? Don't get tricked. Some of you guys are deceit fillers like, like I was. At the BET Awards. I thought I was a rapper when they only wanted me to hold a seat down. I even wore a chain. That's actually really, really, really funny from Wade Mason. He's right, though, by the way. As I tweeted on Monday, multiple realities exist within this sport, different situations. St. Peter's as a 15 beats a transfer-loaded Kentucky Blue Blood team, right? You can have all these things that can work out in so many great ways, and they can also backfire on you. And, yes, are there negative aspects to the transfer portal? Without a doubt, Okay, and I actually think one of the elements that a lot of fans don't even realize with this stuff is like a lot of these coaches, they're talking to each other in January or February, you know, in their private conversations. And they're like, yeah, this guy's gone. He's I just know he's gone. So like I'll occasionally I'll I'll get on the horn with the coach in like February and I'll learn. Oh, yeah, like this guy, he's he's losing this guy, this guy. He's like a lot of these coaches are not being sometimes they'll be caught off guard. There's a chance that with Tyrese Hunter at Iowa State, there was a there's a chance that TJ was a little bit caught off guard there. But a lot of times with this man, you spend almost every day with these players. You the writings on the wall. Um, sometimes this decision is a long time coming. Sometimes, yes. Can it be actual tampering? Yes. Would you want that to happen? No. Uh, but for the players themselves, the opportunities there might not be as great as you might think. So, yes. And, and my last thing on this parish, and man, we do, we just, we just love going along, don't we? I, we are at 38 friggin' minutes right now. Um, we need to get away from the idea, or maybe it's a feature, not a bug, of trying to think that we can ever get the sport to a spot where it's idyllic, you know, where uh, there's some sort of panacea where we can kind of get to uh, a, a cure-all. Every single sport has issues, always has, always will. A significant portion of coverage of every single sport is talking about, writing about, reacting to negative impacts on that given every single sport. 
no matter what. So sometimes I think we do go mountain out of a molehill with the transfer portal stuff in men's college basketball, which doesn't say it isn't a problem on certain levels. It is, but there's never going to be we're never going to have Nirvana. We just aren't. Okay. It, there's no, you're not going to have a situation where everyone's happy all the time. And every single rule has everyone feeling it's just never going to be that. So we also got to move away from this idea that, you know, the sport is being destroyed because of item a or thing B. I just, I just can't, I can't get there. And I don't know if I ever will. Yeah. Like, you know, people have been predicting the end of college basketball for decades. Right, dude. I'm so exhausted by this topic. Like, like, like LeBron James isn't coming to college, and Kobe Bryant isn't coming to college, and like it was fine. Like college football, I mean, college basketball will never be the biggest sport in America, but it'll always have a place. It just will, yep. you, because people care about these programs. Um, they fall in love with the players once the players become part of the program, but they love the program, and um, and that's not going to go away because Tyrese Hunter or anybody else uh, changes, and you know. You made this point. I, 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 I think it's important for people to understand. All of these players are not going to make good decisions. Some of these will backfire. Mm-hmm. Like there's a scenario where Tyrese Hunter goes to his next school and uh, you know ends up a role player and isn't happy and you know and wonders why he ever left. Like yeah, and I, I just let me. I, I we focused a lot on him, but I want to just say like. Kenneth Lofton Jr. He's trans. Kendrick Davis is leaving SMU. Antoine Davis is leaving Detroit. Like you know, the, a lot of these players are gonna. Grant Sherfield's leaving Nevada. You've got a lot of good players that are leaving spots. KJ Williams leaving Murray State. Like you know that they were really good at the spots that they were. And so I just you know I didn't want to put all the focus on one single player. Yeah, you're right. Guys out there, and some of those guys are gonna hit. And frankly, some of them aren't. Because as you and I have talked off off podcast plenty about. And I actually think this year's is kind of becoming an exception to the rule GP. You and I basically look at it like, man, there's like five to seven transfers a year where we're kind of like, ooh, look at that guy. But right. like most of these guys, they just don't do, they just don't move the needle really. And so it's also important to keep that in mind when we talk about yeah. this whole, a lot of these guys are just, they're, they're going from one spot to another and their true impact is, is, is minimal at best. Some of them are going to regret their decisions, yeah. right? Like, um, but I'm I'm comfortable allowing them to make those decisions. It, it, I, I don't feel like it's my job to worry because you hear this sometimes. Well, you know, you, you 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 these young people are running from adversity, and you know they're not learning how to grow, and all these things that people think <laughs> a, a sit-out year can teach life lessons. Like I, I just don't feel like it's necessary to have a sit-out year teach people life lessons, right? Like. Yeah. I, 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 how about, by the way, how many players that got NIL do you think did their taxes by yesterday? I'm kind of curious about that. I was texting with a couple of coaches. Like, I literally, how many do you think did not do their taxes? That's actually a life lesson. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I genuinely hope that these people had people advising them that you you made this money. You kind of got to tell the federal government about it. I hope that they're yeah. on it. That's all. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I guess my point is, I. I've never thought it's my responsibility to save these young people from themselves. Um, there, there are people who change schools every year. They're just, they're not basketball players. So you don't care about them, but there are people who change schools every year, drop out of school, decide to move to LA to pursue acting, uh, start a band, decide they just want to bartend, decide they want to go to people. Young people make this and they're not kids. You hear it all the time, but these kids are going to, they're not kids. They're young adults. And they're making decisions the same way young adults from all aspects of life make decisions every single day. I've never thought it was my place or 
that it was necessary for some rule to help shape these young people's decisions. Um, I've got three sons. I feel like it's my job to try to help them avoid bad decisions. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to let Kendrick Davis make whatever decision he wants. And some of these players will have good decisions and some of these players will have bad decisions. And I don't know. That sounds like life to me. You know, that sounds like life to me. I don't think we need to uh, make it any more complicated than that. For real this time. Let's move on. Leaky Black is back in school. We must talk about it. We're going to do it next. But first, finally, finally, it's a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. That's a new one, Deadleg. Catch a little Kiefer Sutherland in there? I didn't see Kiefer Sutherland, but I wasn't I watching I Kiefer. Kiefer. I don't know. I'm, I, I thought I saw. I could have been, been wrong on that. By the way, if you're listening on the podcast again. You, know. you have no idea what we're talking about. But that's, that's part of the uh, appeal. But we did. How, how are we going 44 minutes in before getting a leaky black? I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. Leaky Black back in school. Armando Baycott back in school. I think at this point we're really just waiting on Caleb Love. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked about before, uh, you know, he's an interesting prospect, but not a guaranteed first rounder. In fact, not even a likely first rounder. And as we've seen, and I think as we've talked about all this stuff that people think is bad with college basketball, here's something that's good. Name, image, and likeness rights is bringing people back to school. Um, Jaime Hotkes could have been picked in the second round probably and announced that he's coming back to school. I'm assuming he's doing that with an understanding that he's going to make a significant amount of money to do it. Um, That's awesome, keeping players like him in school. Mm -hmm. You're never going to be able to keep, uh, you know, uh, uh, Chet Holmgren in school. You're never going to be able to keep him. He hasn't declared yet. (laughs) What are we doing, by the way? Fairly sure. I checked. Like, Paulo Bancaro has not declared yet. What are they? I don't even understand this. What's going on? There's like there's like five really good players that are not declared. I, I would have I would have declared in December. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't understand why people don't just declare in December. Like of course, like I'm, I'm yeah. of course these I'm. These are top stuff. three picks. Yeah, like like Paolo should have like scored 32 points against uh, NC State, and then announced that he's entering the 2022 NBA draft. Like, what are we doing? I don't care. Like. Uh, I, AJ Griffin hasn't declared either, and neither has Abadji. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, po- yeah, I'm at the point like Jalen Duran declared yesterday. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like I even I don't think I spent a minute on my radio show talking about. It. Like, Who cares? Of course he declared. He's going to the draft. He's always been going to the draft. So, um, but it's the other guys uh, that you know could maybe pursue overseas opportunities or G League opportunities that are you know coming back to school. 
And North Carolina's got two of them already, Leaky Black and Armando Baycott. And if you get Caleb Love, there's a scenario, and we talked about this the night of the national championship game, where they bring back everybody except Brady Manick. And I think that's a guaranteed preseason top five team and possibly preseason number one. Brady Manick, by the way, a transfer portal success story along with Remy Martin. Oh, there by you the go. way. Like Brady yeah. Manick, he got everything he could out of his Oklahoma experience. He needed a change of scenery, and look what happened. That's an awesome, awesome transfer portal story. Uh, Baycott returning. Yep. Um, I don't know what the number will eventually be, but this makes me so happy for him because he he was a Baycott was I remember seeing him at Peach Jam and how good he was. He just he every year we get to go to see these guys play on the circuit and inevitably they're just our, you know, for me, at least they wind up being, you know, six to eight guys who just for what one reason or another. They just pop, whether they're, you know, at the top of the class or not even like occasionally it's a, it's a four star guy that, that plays up or whatever. And I remember seeing Baycott as a as a high school prospect. And I was like, man, he is going to be a really good college player. And it's awesome to see that he's grown into this. And I don't know what his number is going to be next year in terms of NIL. But, man, I think he's got he plays he he is returning to a title game appearing team as a preseason first-team All-American at one of the two or three biggest programs in the sport. I don't know what the number is, but if you told me that Armando Baycott stood to make north of $500,000 next year as a college player, I totally believe it, and I think that's freaking awesome. So, uh, And if if that is among the key factors why he decided to come back, more power to you, man. You only get to go to college once, you know, get to go, college and play once I should say. And so if you want to capitalize on, and then be a part of a team, that's going to be preseason favorite to win the ACC, you know, a preseason pick to make a final four national title contender. That's absolutely wonderful. And leaky black to return, you know, not as I wasn't really surprised by either one, but you know, leaky black was more of a, th- a sure thing to return than Baycott. Um, yeah, that's big, big, big time. Um, couple things here. We have listeners know of this podcast, know that we, you know, this is basically how we do this. GP and I uh, occasionally mix in a little Booner, a little David Cobb action. No doubt about it. We are we are for the most part, at least from the podcast form, we're we're anti uh, we're anti interview. We we like to just give you us. And because basically, look at this. We're going on 50 minutes, man. Um, But I think we need to have like a full on leaky black podcast at some point in the offseason. Right, we have to do that. I would invite Leaky, I would invite Leaky Black yeah. on. We got to make that happen. If we can even do it in person, that'd be wonderful. I don't know if that can happen. I mean, I'll go. I'll, I'll bring Leaky to my house. Well, I don't know. What if I flew Leaky Black to my house <laughs> and he just stayed with me for the week? Would that actually be a violation? I don't. That might be a violation. I don't know. I, yeah, like I don't I, know. I feel like I could fly Leaky Black wherever I want. Can you listen? I'm sure there are compliance people that listen to this podcast. Can Gary Parrish pay to fly <laughs> Leaky Black to his house for the sole purpose of doing the Ion College Basketball Podcast? Is that a violation? No, that would not be the sole purpose. That would be one oh. of the things we do. Okay. What's another purpose? We just lay out extortion lessons. We just lay out in the backyard. Me and Le- <laughs> just me and Le- Leaky Black laying out in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> what, what if you looked up and it's just me and Leaky Black laying out? Then I wouldn't be in the picture. That's the other thing. We got to make this picture happen. I'll fly you too. I'll fly I've you never, down. I've never been to Mississippi or Memphis. We got to try and make that happen. So anyway, so we will try and do this. We will try and get Leaky and and really because again, I I 
assume many people listening heard the episode where I talked about the photo that I had with Leaky Black, but he was awesome and a lot of people made him aware of it. So because he is returning, we'll make that happen. Breaking T, by the way, made a Leaky Black shirt. I might have to I might have to rock that on the pod at some point soon here because that's uh, that's too, too awesome. As for North Carolina, yeah, would they have a case with Love back for preseason number one? UNC would have a case, although have you thought about it from this angle yet, GP? Hmm. Would you be more or less likely to do that after Carolina would essentially be repeating a scenario from the year before? What am I getting at? The UCLA. Correct. Absolute. You know, not the same, same thing, but a UCLA team that barely made it into the field makes the final four preseason top five hype. They were good, but they were a four seed, right? And they made the sweet 16. They were good. Carolina was a bubble team until they won at Duke at the end of the regular season, get to the eight line, make the title game. They could be good, but maybe we don't want to put too much on a team that might be propelling off of just its marked performance. That's all. Well, um, first, I would argue they're not just first. I would argue UCLA was top 10 at Kimpom for almost the entire year this season. I'm I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it was wrong, but it wasn't it wasn't a top five team. That's all. Um, They were good. Like if you're top 10, if you're consistently in the top 10, I think you're a good college, really good college basketball team. So the idea that UCLA was somehow some. I'm not. No, I'm saying UCLA was a trendy top three team going into last season. They were never one of the three best teams in the country. That's all. That's fine. I'll I'll take that. Although they started five and oh with a win over Villanova. (laughs) They, They did. And then they lost by 20 to Gonzaga. And that's tough. That was a tough they, one. they were good, but I'm saying it would what you said was good. I mean, maybe they won't shift. I'm not trying to shift you off anything. I'm just saying it's just it's, here. It's, here would here would be the difference. I did acknowledge that in the 2020-21 season, UCLA in the span of the NCAA turn, like when the NCAA tournament started, UCLA was 45th at Ken Palm. All right. And then they made that run, and they finished. I'm gonna I guess. Believe, let me guess. I don't know. I'm gonna yeah. say you said 45. They get to the final four. I'll say you said they finished 27. They finished um, 15th. Oh wow! Look at that. Yeah. Woo. But but so my argument was, hey, listen, I don't care how they started, how they finished. That's a top 15 Ken Palm team that returned basically everybody. And that was my justification for having a preseason top five. But they did start the NCAA tournament 45th. North Carolina started the NCAA tournament 30th. All right. They were, they were a borderline top 25 team when the NCAA tournament started. And though some people will say, yeah, they just got hot in the tournament. The truth is, if you go back um, to the day after they lost to Pitt, we've talked about this before, um, which was they lose to Pitt on February 16th. So you go back and you run the numbers. At, at, did you know you can sort stuff at BartTorvik.com? Oh, yeah. Sometimes I just sit around at night. <laughs> I watch Torvik listening to the pod, giving us updates. You I, did watch, that I, watch, I watch camel fights on YouTube, and I just sort things on Torvik. I just sort. But if you go back to February 17th and make that the start date, North Carolina was the third best team in the country for the rest of the season. Kansas was one. Texas Tech was two. And North Carolina was three. So that's a six-week sample size where Carolina was operating like a top three team in America. That's not insignificant. And so if you bring back everybody that matters from that team except Brady Manick, 
absolutely, I think you can be a candidate to be preseason number one. It's not obvious. And I, I think I've written this before. I don't think there will be an obvious preseason number one. There, I don't think there'll be a team that we all agree on. You know, it, it looks like Carolina is going to be a candidate for that. UCLA is going to be a candidate for that. Um, it appears Kentucky could be a candidate for that. Arkansas is a candidate for Arkansas that. Arkansas is definitely a candidate for that. I like this. Yeah. I think, yeah, the, the idea that we're all good. Like, remember that one year where it was like everybody agreed, like Michigan State was preseason number one? Yeah. And it was hey, Cassius Winston, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Like, I don't think it's going to be one of those this season. There's going to be maybe four or five different totally legitimate candidates to be preseason number one. And some of it, just to tie this all back together, will be determined by the transfer portal in the coming weeks and months. It's true. All right. We good? I'd love to get out of here in less than an hour just because I like looking at it when it Let's do it. says 50-something minutes. Sure. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Quincy Miller, 6'9 legend. There we go. You remember Quincy Miller, don't I'm pretty, you? I'm pretty sure you've done Quincy before. No, there's another Miller. I keep a list. I keep an af- I keep a list of names alphabetical of my Baylor players. Yeah, I'm, you ready? Quincy Acey, Austin Allen, Darius Allen, Will Allen, Isaiah Austin, Devontae Bandu, Deuce Bellow, Roscoe Biggers. These are all players that have been done. I keep a list. I update it. All right. Is it possible I forgot to add Quincy Miller to it one time? I suppose it's possible. But I think, I think unlikely. It's a 6'9 legend. Averaged 10.6 points, 37 games for Baylor, 2011-2012 season. He was ranked fifth in the class of 2011. Five-star prospect. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. Is it still the middle? You don't have to wear masks on airplanes um, anymore. You don't have to wear masks on airplanes anymore. Good point. Yes, it still is the middle. It's still the middle. I feel like what hole are – if this is an 18-hole deal, what hole are we on? 12? I was going to say 13. I feel like we're walking up to the 14th tee. Yeah. We're like on the first. So like, you know. In the middle of the. Thanks. Once again for listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. At what amounts to the amen corner. Of the pandemic. The dumbest one of my <laughs> lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts. Leave a nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. Oh, <laughs> I swear this is true. I had to do Time to Shine last Friday. This has never happened to me before in my whole life. And I'm walking back from the studio to the hotel, down 57. And somebody, totally out of nowhere, said there's more of us than there are of them. <laughs> like, that does not happen. Outrageous. Me and Brent Stover, like sometimes when we do that show together, we'll walk back because he lives on the east side and uh, he'll walk with me back to my hotel and then he'll just keep walking. And we're like, we are in suits and makeup right now. How long would we have to walk around the city before somebody <laughs> recognized us? We're like, we could probably walk around forever. And then it finally happened, but I was by myself. I didn't have Stover or anybody else to witness it. But whoever that person was, God bless you. Seriously. There is more of us. There is more of us than there are of them. We're going to talk to you again. I think we decided this. Friday? I mean, I'll be at the Bronx Zoo on Friday, but yeah, there'll be a podcast on Friday. Deadlock said he's going to the zoo.
I got kids spring break, man. So. Oh, I just spent an entire day in Central Park with the kids. Yeah, so we're going Bronx too. Which, which was beautiful, by the way. Central oh, yeah, Park. Awesome. Central Park's amazing. Yep. Love great. Central Park. You got 90 right. more seconds before the 50 is gone, so you know. Yeah, no. We're... All right, let's just wait it out then. You want a song to end it up? You, got, you want to give me a song here? Well, I want to. You're just going to wait it out? Yeah, no, I just mean wait it out like this. By by waiting it out, we're just gonna keep saying we're waiting it out, and okay. that'll be that'll be us waiting it out. We can do that. Working on a new tune here, so. Oh, you're writing songs, Dead Leg. I write songs all the time, dude. Let me guess, it's a 19 minute song. It's not. No, <laughs> this is like four and a half minutes, but yeah. Hey, I wrote a new song. It'll take you 19 minutes to listen to it. Shut up. I got a I got I got a uh, coaching. I do this thing where I grade the coaches four years after they're hired, so that goes up on Tuesday. And I think I got that one in for you at like seven minutes. Ooh, I got to update the top 25 and one today. Yeah. Got to say goodbye to my Billikens, much as it breaks my heart. Yeah. Gotta you say got 30 good- seconds, by the way. Yeah. Thinking about adding Virginia. I think, I think that's fair. Another player returning. Yep. Hey, Clark. Not in the portal. Not in the portal. Coming back to Virginia. We're going to talk to you again on Friday. I don't know who will be here. I, I promise you I will. We'll see. It'll be a surprise. Consider it your post-Easter surprise. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.